Hello, I'm Damien Venuto. It's May 12th, and this is The Front Page, a daily podcast presented by the New Zealand Herald. Back in January 2012, one of the most interesting legal cases in New Zealand's history began when police raided a Coatesville mansion belonging to a German migrant by the name of Kim.com. A decade later, the dot-com saga and the charges related to his file hosting service Mega Upload are still going through the courts. This week, two of his co-accused have cut a deal, leaving dot-com high and dry as the only person still facing extradition to the US. But how much longer can this decade-long case carry on? Today, I'm joined by NZ Herald investigative reporter David Fisher for an in-depth look at one of Aotearoa's most publicized cases. David, this week we saw Kim.com and the mega upload case back in the news. Given how long the saga has been going on for, could you just remind us of how this case started a decade ago? For the New Zealand public, it started on January 20, 2012, and that was when there was this most extraordinary raid on Dotcom's mansion in Coatesville. A helicopter dawn raid by our anti-terror police. There were armed cops that jumped the mansion gates at the front. They swamped the whole place. Yeah, uh, made entry into the bedroom of the target. The door was closed, slammed, and it had a uh, security lock on it. We breached it. Moved through. He's done a runner. We can't find him in either the studio or the bedroom. Police helpfully told the media exactly where the raid was happening so that there were cameras there to watch this amazing procession of classic cars, millions of dollars of vehicles being taken away by police and asset recovery. So what developments have we seen this week? So there were four people that were arrested in New Zealand. Kim.com's been the most visible public figure of the four. There's Finn Batato, who was Mega Upload's marketing director, Bram van der Kolk, who was the chief programmer, and Matthias Ortman, who was the chief technical officer. Extradition proceedings were dropped against Finn about six to nine months ago. He has life-threatening cancer. This week, what we saw was Bram van der Kolk and Matthias Ortman announced that they've done a deal with the authorities where they are going to face charges in a New Zealand court rather than be extradited to face those charges in the US court, that they will be comparable charges to what they would face in the US, and that there will be a resolution to it, and it's going to happen here in New Zealand. Why do you think his former colleagues have finally kind of turned on him? Do you think this is bad news for Kim.com? I don't think it's so much a case of them suddenly turning on .com. I think there has been a parting of the ways that's been going on for at least eight years. It's eight years since these guys have spoken to Kim.com. That's a remarkable thing to consider, given that over that eight-year period, they have spent weeks and weeks in the same courtroom together at times. They've had a parting of the ways that's gone on for some time. I think the motivation for Vanderkolk and Ortman is that they've built families here in New Zealand, they've built a life here in New Zealand, they've built this company mega, and I think they just want to get on with their lives. They've seized the opportunity. Given how long .com has been involved with the co-accused, is there a sense of betrayal coming out of the .com camp at this stage? I do get that sense from .com that there's a feeling of betrayal. I believe he was blindsided by the news that a deal had been done. I know that he's been offered a deal in the past, as has everybody. All of these guys have been offered deals in the past. He gets caught in public reactions where, on the one hand, he's congratulating these guys and wishing them the best because 
it's not a good look to do the opposite of that. But on the other hand, there's messaging that's coming from him that isn't entirely supportive of the position that they've reached, where he's saying, oh, they might have done a deal, but they don't believe what they're going to be saying in court, you know, or they know that they're innocent, just like I've always said I'm innocent. I don't see how they can do a deal and still believe that. What I'd like to say is that this is not the last word on the matter, and we'll go through the whole process until the very end. When you look at this, I think a lot of the country is probably a little bit surprised that this case is still going on. I mean, Dotcom was a key figure in the 2014 election with his internet mana party. We've had two new prime ministers since then. So why is this case still going on? The passage of time is amazing. You know, when you think that what they were busted for doing was running a questionable streaming service at a time when we used to get movies by getting DVDs posted to us at home. <laughs> so, <laughs> so 10 years on, streaming is all there is. The reason it's lagged so much, first is our extradition laws are a mess and the Law Commission has said they need to be overhauled. That hasn't happened yet. So there's other factors too. The first couple of years of the case had this real Keystone Cops aura about it. There was the illegal spying by the GCSB. There were a whole bunch of things that our authorities did that just didn't look like they'd paid attention to the detail that they needed to. It looked like they cut corners. That caused a real lag to proceedings as well because it meant that there were a bunch of things that had to be chewed through before we could get to the substantive extradition hearings. Tim.com's long-running saga to avoid extradition to the United States could now take years to resolve after the Supreme Court pressed pause on his extradition pending a judicial review. He has enormous resources to pour into the case. That means that the law gets tested to its absolute extremes. I often wonder what would happen if every single defendant that came before the courts had the same opportunities financially as .com has brought to this. Everything that could be appealed along the way has been appealed, and not just by .com, but by the New Zealand government on behalf of the US government as well. This thing has been thrashed to death on both sides, and so that's why we're 10 years on and we've kind of finished the first stage. <laughs> In terms of the court system, the dot-com case seems to have always existed in this grey area when it comes to our notions of justice. Could you talk us through why we can't just force him to leave? Well, we actually could. There's this draft immigration New Zealand report for deporting dot-com that has been with multiple ministers since about 2015. I did a story that revealed that dot-com had speeding convictions that he hadn't declared and he should have declared on his residency application. And that wasn't the first time he'd been called out for that. As I understand it, this deportation report says, hey, we can yank his residency and kick him out. If we did that, we'd have to send him back to Germany. If we sent him to Germany, the US can't extradite him from there and they would be really unhappy. And so there's a natural order of things where the extradition process takes precedent over everything else that's there. And the extradition process says that the US has a claim on .com and the others that were arrested. It's very much in our interests for the cause of justice and for international relations for us to support the US interests in making sure that .com is put before a US court to face up to what he's alleged to have done. 
Now, Hollywood, the FBI, Justice Department did succeed in closing down Mega Upload, which was his giant success, where people, mainly kids, were downloading movies, hit songs, video games. But here's a guy who was playing a dangerous game all his life, very high stakes dangerous game, and eventually he lost. <laughs> David, you've spent quite a lot of time with Dotcom over the years. You've been to his home. You've spent time with his family. How has he changed from those first meetings that you had with him to now? Dotcom today, I believe, is a far more grounded person than he was when we first met. He's also had the very public end to uh, his marriage to Mona.com, which was devastating as one would expect it would be the end of a, a relationship, somebody that's the mother of your children. That's a very testing thing. There was the 2014 election failure where he was completely committed to that and absolutely believed that it was going to result in seats in Parliament. That turned out to be a crushing failure. Very tough night for you. We heard Kim.com say he poisoned your campaign. I think that it was a mistake um, that Kim continued to have a high profile in association with our campaign during the last month. Now, beyond the financial impact that this has taken on him, it's also taken a toll on his family, particularly his new wife, who has just announced on Instagram that they're expecting their first child together. So how do you think they feel right now, knowing that two of the, the, the close associates of Kim.com have essentially turned on him and that the wheels are still turning with this case. Liz.com, who was Elizabeth Donnelly when they met, she knows what she signed up for. She's a really smart individual and she is somebody who learned all there was to learn about the case from .com before they got married. It's been a constant feature of their lives. And so I would think that there's a constant sort of a background stress to what they experience, but I don't think it would be in the same order as, for example, what Mona.com suffered. Kim.com is a lot more in control of what he puts out publicly. That wasn't so much the case back in the first two, three years of the case. And with that less controlled profile back in the first two or three years of the case, it put the family up for a lot more public consumption, which I know Mona.com found something that was really difficult to live with. It did have a real impact on her. They've removed themselves to Queenstown. It's a lot more of an isolated existence than the proximity that they had to Auckland when they're living in Coatesville. There is going to be a pressure, there's going to be a stress, but I don't think it's going to be of the order that it has been in the past. Users, one billion per day, 50 million. 4% of the internet. Get the mega manager, it's 10 times faster. Bit by bit, unlimited, it's a hit, it's a hit. Looking more broadly at the last decade, why do you think the Kim.com case has captivated the New Zealand imagination in a way that few other cases have in that time? When this thing burst out in January 2012, we had this global Dr. Evil type character, you know, <laughs> with this ostentatious wealth, an eccentric, larger-than-life figure. And I think that was instantly captivating, you know. It was, it was that lives of the rich, famous, and weird right here in our own backyard. 
and it morphed over the next couple of years. He turned on the lights in Franklin Road for Christmas, and he had a starring role in a Christmas panto that had all of Auckland's uh, socialites, uh, acting television stars, music stars featured in Ankin.com as Santa. And so he'd been both angel and demon over quite an intense first few years. I think there was that period at the outset when a public profile was really useful to him that gave the public quite a bit of buy-in to his life and quite a bit of access and, and a degree of fascination up to the point where it turned. I think that culminated in the 2014 election. After that, to a large extent, he's just withdrawn from the public eye. look at this now, David, how and when do you think this will ultimately end? Will .com be extradited? And how many more chances does he have in this fight? I don't know where I'll put my money if I was going to put money on it. I think that there's a pretty good possibility that we get another, say, three or five years through the court wrangles on this case. So the Justice Minister signs the extradition warrant. That gets appealed to the High Court through judicial review, then the Court of Appeal, then the Supreme Court. And then you get to a point, say, three to five years down the track where dot-com's health may not be something that the US system is able to deal with. That could be good, fresh grounds for bouncing an extradition. It could be that his family ties here and his role in the community or in business or whatever it might be have such deep roots that it would be disproportionately unfair to uproot him for those things. At the same time, .com has a pretty active lobby in the States trying to push whatever political buttons that he can over there to say, hey, just drop this thing. Let's just walk away from it. You know, what what do we care? It's 10 years ago. Um, So it's very hard to know where to put your money on something to do with .com because he moves in the fastest, most surprising ways. Cheers for joining us today, David. Thanks for listening to today's episode of The Front Page. You can read more about this and other stories in the New Zealand Herald, online at nzherald.co.nz, or tune in to news bulletins across the NZME network. With thanks to our producer and editor, Sean D. Wilson, and executive producer, Ethan Sills. You can follow The Front Page on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. And tune in tomorrow for another look behind the headlines.